Welcome to the Nigel Lee Archive, brought to you by Living Leadership, where every fortnight we share with you a sermon from the late Nigel Lee to encourage you in your walk with the Lord. Here's today's message. I'm going to leave out some of the opening remarks that I was planning to make. I I don't think it fits the mood now. Peace on earth. After, as we said at the beginning, all that we've been uh, living through, just think. September 11th. And we've just seen a picture. And Afghanistan. And all the dozens of squalid little wars that there are going on all over the place. Wars in in various places, Zimbabwe, Chechnya, Sudan, Indonesia, Israel. There are people being killed every single day. Today. Tonight. While we sit here. Not to speak of the troubles in our own country. Last summer, I mean, the government produced a wonderful report, didn't it? Uh, Concluding that our country is a divided nation. Bradford and Oldham and Belfast and and so on. Peace on earth. Or just pie in the sky. We've been reading and thinking together of that great declaration from heaven that there was to be peace on earth and God's favour amongst people of goodwill. Or is it just pious platitude? When you think of what we have lived through in the last few months, it is just hopeless unreality. Wishful thinking. Something that it's easy for people to just think from nowhere connected with this world. According to the police, the figures for six particular crimes in this country are almost double at Christmas time what they normally are in June. And we go through this cycle every year in the United Kingdom. The crimes are violence, sex offences, robberies, burglary, muggings, and theft from cars. And every year they double around this time of the year. Why? Is it just that the evenings are dark? I guess that contributes. Is it that people are envious of others who are, are living in a kind of spend, spend, spend culture. I sometimes am driven to wonder whether the increased mention of the Christmas story, of the good news of Christ coming, actually does something perverse in people's minds and spirits. Whether it gets attacked and undermined all over the country with behavior that seems designed to cause a devilish laugh of mockery to spread around the nation. So if Jesus came to stop all war, all conflicts, and establish peace on earth, he has been a naive faith. And there's no getting around it. In fact, many people would go on to say that in their view, religion in general is something that causes conflicts. 
and that people who call themselves Christians have been as bad as everyone else. Is that what Jesus came to do? To bring conflict, to bring war to an end? Of course not. Absolute nonsense. Just think of what he himself said. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Or let's listen to his words of warning um, about what would happen when he left. When you hear of wars and rumours of wars, don't be alarmed. Such things must happen. But the end is still to come. It's still some way off. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. These are the beginning of birth pain. This is just the start of a process. Out from which something dramatic and new will emerge. So, we've had it read to us. What is this peace that was declared by the angels that first Christmas night? This Christmas, for me, I don't think I can do better than read to you um, from an email that I received recently from um, someone I know in Pakistan. You remember some weeks ago, a couple of months maybe, in a place called Bahawalpur, there was uh, a service going on in the church. Do you, do you recall this? And suddenly a number of masked gunmen burst into the back of that church and started spraying um, bullets around and attacking those people who were simply standing silently and innocently worshipping Jesus Christ. And I think it was 15, wasn't it, that were killed. Including some of the relatives of this man. He sent this email out as a kind of Christmas greeting to his friends, and I'm privileged to receive it. The times today, he says, are no different to the times when Jesus was born into this world. In his time, there was war and terrorism and radicals destroying the peace of the world. But he came to restore the peace to those who believe in him. For what happens to us in this world, whether we die of sickness, accident, bomb blast, or air crash, does not matter so long as whether we are right with our God. Because life after death is what matters, for it is eternal. So let us at this season renew our commitment to the Lord and be true and sincere in heart. May we grow in our faith and be witnesses to our Lord. May we not be those to whom the Lord says, I don't know who you are. May we spread the gospel with our words and our works. May we feel his holy presence in our life all the time. And whatever our hands do, may it be for God's glory. Amen. Now that is a remarkable thing from a man who is potentially under threat every time he steps out of, of, of the walled compound where he lives. It's an astonishing thing, isn't it? Attacked on every side and yet entirely at peace with God. A peace with God about himself and about his situation. Whatever happens to me, I know where I'm going. Eternity is more important. It, it is most important to have eternal life, be right with God, and so on. The only thing that matters in this world, which we humans have filled up 
with our conflicts and wars, says John, is have you got eternal life? Are you right with God? Are you at peace with the Lord? And when you can say yes to those kind of questions, actually the other fears, the fears of economic recession or accidental death, those fears get so much smaller. When you have a big God, whom you trust, the other things in life get so much smaller, it seems. And, and we, we are one way or the other. If you have only a very small God, someone you don't know very well, then so many of the other things in life just seem to be too big. And you can't cope with them. They frighten you. And you'd rather turn away. And the key in life to being able to survive in the place of threat and danger and damage is to make sure that you have a big, real, personal God. That's exactly what Matthew was talking about, how during the course of this year, God became much more real to him. I want to say tonight, and I hope you remember this, I believe, personally, that the real message of Christmas is extremely unpopular. It gets covered over with all the, uh, the nonsense. I remember walking um, into um, the room when the television was on. And um, when I came in, the, the words were, give me Christmas in three words. The telly addicts have, have seen this. <laughs> give me Christmas in three words. So I'm thinking, mm, tidings of joy, um, mistletoe and wine, uh, the Prince of Peace. No, apparently it's Marks and Spencers. The real message of Christmas is unpopular because it affronts our pride and our dignity. It is this. It is that the human race and every individual in is actually the enemy of God. We try to keep him out. We don't like him coming too close. We hate his interference. Left to ourselves, we are the enemies of God. And God is the judge of our behavior. This is the message of Christmas. People have every reason to be afraid. And what we need is peace ourselves with God. All over the world. We, we, we've mentioned a whole number of, of places where there are wars and, and conflict. Every continent. And down through the centuries, it has always been the same fighting and bloodshed and in our own nation exactly the same and in families and in cities and in football clubs and in the big city corporations in London and wherever you look. True, isn't it? I'm not telling you anything that you don't actually know. What we need is to have our own hearts turned and softened and made right with God himself. We need peace with God. And so the text I want to give you tonight points us in that direction. Paul, the <clears throat> Christian preacher and writer, said, thanks be to God. He, he burst out with this at the end of one of his chapters. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. God's own son, who had been prophesied repeatedly over the centuries. <laughs> he was coming. Born in Bethlehem, as we've been singing. Growing up in Nazareth. Crucified in Jerusalem. Why is he so wonderful? Why do people get excited? 
and celebrate. <coughs> this is heaven touching earth. This is God offering us the peace treaty, <coughs> the reconciliation, the end of warfare, the putting aside finally of that sense of being locked up and, and hostile and against him and uncertain about him and afraid that he might interfere with us. That all melting away like the snow and being put back in a right kind of relationship with God. He came, you know, because he loved us. You and me, there isn't a person in this room who isn't profoundly and lastingly loved by God. He would put his arms round you. He would hold you tight. He loves us. You watch sometimes on telly those, um, Michael Burke does it, I think, it's these rescue programs. You know, you, someone is lying sort of broken at the bottom of a mine shaft or, or clinging to the upturned hull of a, a sailing yacht or, or, you know, they've had a heart attack on a, on a ledge halfway up a, a mountain and, and, you know, the kind of program. And, and you see the remarkable uh, rescue going on in every single case. I don't think Michael Burke would, would do these programs if this were not true. In every single case, they're utterly dependent upon help coming from outside. They can't get themselves out. They can't get up the mine or, or get off the boat or whatever. Help needs to come from outside. And, and we see the rescue services doing their duty. You know, the helicopter pilots and the, the mountain rescue people. And, and it's astonishing what they do. And the medics and so on. Doing their duty. Doing their professional, brilliant, British duty. Do they do it out of love? You'd hardly know, and I would usually doubt it. But the Lord God himself came out of love for us. He loves us, you and me. That's where the Christian story begins, in Noel's song. It begins right in the heart of God, the, the loving Father heart of God. That's where it begins, his personal love for you. That's the first thing. And the second thing I want us to think about is that he came because we need changing. We do. I have a friend who comes from a village uh, in what was the old part of East Germany. Do any of you remember the name Eric Honecker? Some nods around. He used to be, I don't know what they call him, president or prime minister or anyway, he was the, he was the top dude in, in East Germany in the old days. And sometime after he was deposed, he fell ill. And he was admitted to hospital. And I think eventually um, released, but without much hope of a very long life to come. And when Erich Honecker came out of prison, out of hospital, there was not one single person in the whole of East Germany who would take him in. There was no convalescent home. He had no friends. There were no relatives. There was nobody. The man who had been the head of the, the nation was on the street. One man, a pastor in this particular village, was willing to take him in. He, had, he lived in a small house. He had a family of ten children. And they'd all grown and, and left home and gone. He was willing to take Hanukkah in. Nine of his ten children had been denied university education while they were growing up because they were Christians. 
and because they refused to deny their faith. Nine of them. That family had suffered. And yet that pastor was willing to take Hanukkah in and he looked after him, he loved him, he nursed him, until eventually he died. We need changing into people like that. We do. Christ came because he loves us. He came because we need changing. The power of the person whose birthday we are celebrating this Christmas season is unimaginable. If only you will ask him to begin working in your life. And the first thing I want to say about him is that he came to pay our debt. Not debt at the bank, that they can stack up a little bit at this time of year. But our debt with God. We have someone who, from time to time, comes and worships in this church. Do you remember, uh, six years ago, five, six years ago, the murder of Stephen Lawrence, the black teenager on the streets of Eltham in South London? His father, Neville, occasionally comes here. He sits almost always um, over in that part. Neville lost his son. He loved him, and he lost his son, but we'd be better saying that he was brutally taken away from him. That son was, was ripped out of that family. And we can say that the wounds are still bleeding. Even the wounds in our society are still bleeding from that horrible event. At the heart of Christianity is something that is very similar in some ways, but is in another way totally different. God gave his son. He wasn't ripped away from him. He gave his son on the cross so that Christ, hanging there, could look out across the world and down the centuries and call people to him, to give him their guilt. He can take it all. The guilt of the stuff that we've done and thought, it can be poured onto him and absorbed into him, you can be free from all the old enmity stuff which keeps you at odds with God. Give it to Christ. He has died in order that we might be made free of all that. He has paid. He has made himself responsible for our guilt. This is, this is the most fantastic thing about Christmas. Looking on down through the months, as it were, to Easter. The person who's come, heaven touching, here, coming with love, coming with forgiveness, coming into our prisoners, some of us were thinking um, here this morning. He comes in order to set us free from guilt and sin. And you may be here tonight, a little bit similar perhaps to Matthew, thinking, I, I don't have a saviour like that. I don't seem to know Christ in that sort of way. I've never personally opened my heart to Jesus in the way that these people talk about. You may have been going to Alpha and, and you've listened to all kinds of stuff but it's never quite clicked. You may have been brought by a friend who from time to time has said friendly things along these lines. And tonight you sense through these readings and carols and this very down-to-earth little service you sense God pushing you towards a point of response. Thank God for his indescribable gift. You can do it. 
Have you ever done it? To thank him personally and ask him to be your saviour. Thank you for joining us today. The Nigel Lee Archive is brought to you as a podcast by Living Leadership. For more information on the Nigel Lee Archive or Living Leadership's other ministries, please visit www.livingleadership.org. God bless.